0: Well good morning. The traditional greeting for Easter all over the world is Christ is risen and the reply is he is risen indeed hallelujah. We'll try it again. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Oh it sounds great. I was getting texts from Tanzania, Uganda, uh, from Asia this morning as they were uh, actually last night as they were celebrating today and uh, it's a wonderful thing to be part of God's body all over the world and uh, uh, it's so humbling. Listen, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Colossians 3. It will be up on the board. The announcement is this morning that if you're visiting with us, we'd love to have a record of your visit. We're not going to put you on a mailing list or ask you for money, but if you would like to share uh, your visit, we'd appreciate it. And uh, so if you'd fill out the card in front of you also, for those who might not know, if you have prayer requests, we have a very serious group of intercessors at our church, and we'll take very seriously... Any prayer requests, and we'll be very honored to pray for you and with you for your various needs. Well, it's Easter, and in, I think, it, my math is not very good. I mean, some of you know, really not good. You don't want to play golf with me, unless you're counting. Uh, lots of things. I mean, I'm not good at lots of things, but math is just one of them. But I think this is the 23rd year I've preached an Easter sermon uh, at St. Andrews. And uh, unless, if by chance one year i was traveling but i think on easter i've pretty much been here and this morning i tell you he's a singer the guy is wanting to sing (laughs) music is in those bones i think it's fantastic um what a cute kid you know for years we didn't have any babies and then you you think oh lord sent us babies and then you realize People can complain. We're not complaining. We'd rather have kids. Let them, let them cry than not have kids. Nothing worse than a church which is dying and doesn't have all those precious kids. Uh, it's a little bit of a hassle, but at least we get to go home and they got to take them home, right? So, I mean, <laughs> it's no problem for us. They won't be at our dinner. Uh, no, but what precious kids. And uh, it really, you know, I'm getting older, but I'm getting, you know, when you real, I remember days we had no children. And, uh, it really is heartbreaking. So you're really, we're so grateful that uh, we have so many young families, and it's not a big church. It's not easy to squeeze all in here, and uh, the older people are so kind and gracious. And uh, it's neat to be in a church that has all the generations. And uh, you know, a little screaming and yelling, you weren't listening to me anyway. So we're good. Right? <laughs> all right. So in all those years, I've preached pretty much on John or Mark. Uh, Maybe Matthew, but basically Mark or John all those years. But this year I want to preach on Colossians 3. And uh, I want to do so because I've been thinking a lot this particular year about baptism and about the fact that on Easter, of course, in uh, most of the history of the church, people waited to get baptized, sometimes for eight or nine months or ten months, and they wouldn't get baptized until Holy Saturday night at midnight. You would get baptized uh, at the Easter Vigil. Uh, Also, on uh, the Easter Vigil is when those people who had committed notorious sins and had been excommunicated from the church would be brought back. So there were people who maybe had affairs or did something in public. Uh, Private things were handled privately. But if it was a public sin, it would be dealt with in a public fashion in the sense that people, you didn't have to say this person's been excommunicated or this person's been naughty. You just simply, when they would come for communion, the priest's would not give them the chalice. They wouldn't give them the bread or, or the cup, and so that was to be excommunicated. But in an Anglican or Catholic church, everybody knew what that meant, and so uh, you know it was a, it was a well-known thing. But, but what a beautiful thing. You know, today, people just change churches when there's a problem. They don't tend to work through things, but the blessing of that kind of discipline is there was also a public time where people were received back into the church, and, uh, and in that time, then people could be restored faithfully and fully, and it was, uh, you know, everyone knew that, too. And, and, and there was a healing and a restoration. And where today, where so many times, even little things that happen, people just change someplace else. And that, that, that's okay, but, but often people never find the resolution and the peace and the restoration. But in any case, that's what normally would happen last night. So uh, it was common then for the church to focus on a sermon of resurrection on baptism and Colossians 3 is about resurrection and baptism. Remember that the imagery that the Bible teaches us in Romans 6 and others are that we are baptism shows us a picture that we died with Christ that all of our sins, all of our iniquities, all of our death, that in our baptism we experience what by faith we received in Jesus, uh, that death to all those things that cause death, and life then in resurrection to the power of God to live in. And, and theologically there's a divine exchange. And the divine exchange is that all of our sins and all of our deserved punishment and wrath, Jesus takes when we get saved, and I come to know Christ in a personal way, and all of his righteousness comes to us. And and that exchange. And so baptism the sacrament where that thing is seen in a visible and outward fashion, what God has done in an inward fashion. So Paul is writing to new believers in Colossians chapter 3. He is writing to them, no doubt, uh, almost an Easter message in Colossians 3. In Colossians 3, and I'm embarrassed to tell you this because I've had an awful lot of Bible training from a a lot of uh, famous places, but the truth is, I didn't realize that probably the most important scripture in the New Testament about how people are to change and grow to be more like Jesus is Colossians 3. And I'm embarrassed to tell you I didn't know that until a couple years ago because I was reading a guy uh, named Dallas Willard uh, and a friend of mine, David Baldwin, who's probably here someplace, would be sending me different passages. I'd say, like, wow, if Dallas Willard says that, I better pay attention. And then you start studying it. You're like, wow, uh, I really need to know at 53 how to change and become more like Jesus. And uh, I got saved at five years of age. I, I, I encountered Jesus at five years of age at First Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. And. Uh, that, that was done, uh, but I tell you, I still need to learn how to grow and be more like Jesus. So this morning, I want to talk about the implications. I mean, sometimes at Easter, we give you this sort of sermon that says, uh, oh, the resurrection is sort of mirrored in the universe, this sort of, a, resurrection is a general principle. Let me tell you something, if there's one thing about the resurrection, it's not a general principle. It is unique, uh, and it is profound. And it, is, uh, it was in before Christ, never to happen again. There was nobody who ever died, never to die again. Uh, re- people resuscitated like Lazarus, but he died again. But in Jesus, he was the first fruit of those who died and came back were resurrected, never to die again. And he leads us, and he is our, uh, our, our captain, our pioneer, as Paul writes in Romans. He is our God, our Savior, our friend, but, but he also is the one who leads us and is our example and model into the life to come. So, uh, we have all this stuff going on. Uh, Paul's writing here this morning uh, and saying to us, here's the implications of the resurrection. So now you're people who know Jesus, and now you want to grow in Jesus, and he says, here's how the life of the resurrection of Jesus Christ applies to what a big word would be, sanctification, but but means the process by which we come more and more like Jesus. Uh, This is how it happens, and this is Paul's, introductory lesson. And I'm sorry to say again, it wasn't, uh, it it seems advanced to me and that's a bad sign. But here we go. Paul says then, uh, Susie, change it for me, put the NIV up there, or Mike did somebody, so I appreciate it. Uh, I like the NIV more than the New King James in this because it says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Now, earlier in Colossians, Paul talks about being dead to Christ, with Christ, that our sins were taken care of in the death of Christ on Good Friday. But in the resurrection, we see the life of Christ being released to us, in uh, eternal life being released. So, so he says, since you've been raised with Christ, and he's talking then about baptism. All right, so it's a, he's saying, if you could reflect on your baptism and appreciate that in your baptism, you were participating in the death and resurrection of Jesus, meaning he wants us to know that there is a singular unity With the death and resurrection of Jesus and every other Christian who believes in Jesus and knows him as Savior and Lord. We were connected to that thing. That's why there's power. That's why we can take and pray and ask forgiveness and know that our sins will be dealt with no matter how uh, messed up we are, no matter how twisted, uh, no matter how defiled we are. Whatever it is, because our life by faith has been joined to Jesus, the power of the cross then meets and connects to us in all of our need. And then it extends to us not only the the cleansing from our sin and death, but also introduces us to new life. So since you've been raised with Christ, he's saying, what's the ethical implications of that? How should we live differently in that Jesus rose from the dead? He says, set your hearts on things above. This is a command. This is in Greek, and I'm not a big Greek guy, but sometimes the Greek is important to to explain something. When it says set. It is is an imperfect imperative. An imperative is a command, An imperfect is an action which you begin and have to keep doing. It's not something that you do one time, like set your clocks forward when the clocks move forward for daylight savings time, whatever. It's not like that. It is an ongoing, deliberate, specific, conscious setting of our hearts on things above. Why are we setting our hearts on things above? Because... Christ is above, seated at the right hand of God. And what that means is it means that He is there in the presence of the Father with the power. He is joined in presence, purpose, and power of the Father. That's what it means to be at the right hand. Oh, it's worth it to have the incense. I love the incense. You got all these people had smoked pot and then they cough at incense. I'm looking at some of you guys. <laughs> I can't believe they have incense at church. Yeah, yeah, I bet. I was raised Baptist, but you weren't. I've come to find that a lot of other church, a lot more was going on than in our church. But anyway. So Jesus is up there in heaven. And the thing that we're supposed to be, the passion of our lives is Jesus. And if we're going to grow in jesus we're going to be more like jesus that we have to have our hearts fixed on jesus uh can use a pastor that i had at uh wheaton college uh college church in wheaton when i was a wheaton uh, college student it was wheaton college church uh great pastor uh but but he told a story of a dog named bosie now that's a dog's name isn't it bosie I mean, who's going to name something? Bozy? Bozy the dog. He said that Bozy the dog wore him out one day. He said this friend had Bozy the dog, and uh, for 45 minutes, he threw the tennis ball, and Bozy the dog got the, do- the ball and brought it back to him. He said that dog would have never got tired. I had lazy dogs you know, one or two times. That's it. But anyway, Bozy, Bozy he said if, if Bozy had died and had an autopsy, He said, and they checked Bozy's brain, there would have been a tennis ball. He said, when she went to drink, she took the tennis ball. He said, Bozy was not doing anything in this life without that tennis ball because the controlling passion of Bozy's life was that ball. Paul says, if we want to become like Jesus, we have to make the deliberate choice to set our hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. There is no shortcut. God cannot do that for you. No one else can do that for you. But if you make it your business to put the Lord Jesus Christ, the deliberate and specific object, the passion, the controlling influence of your life, this incredible thing takes place where we change As sinful and broken as we are, Jesus doesn't only save us, he'll make us like himself. But it's the only way it's going to happen. So Paul says to the new believers in Colossians, he says, since you've been baptized and you've been raised with Christ, listen, there's this life there that's now possible for you. You have potential and life and power that even you don't know yet. I used to say sometimes when I was growing and learning about the Holy Spirit, I used to say, it's like I had a 21-speed bike all these years, but I only knew the 10 gears. And all of a sudden, when the Holy Spirit, and we start setting our, our hearts on the things above, and all of a sudden, we find out there's more, and there's more power, and there's more grace, and there's more help. We just weren't yielding ourselves to God in a way that would please Him. And that's why we weren't growing all this time. But we can grow. He has the power. He's expecting us to make the choice. So Paul says, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set deliberately, continuously, and ongoing, many times a day if necessary, set your heart on things above. Why? Because our heart has to be set on Jesus, and he's up there. The resources, uh, the power, the grace, the favor, the healing. I mean, his point isn't, we just want to be all mystics, you know, dreamy-eyed, looking up into heaven. Paul knows we need to be an influence in this world and we need to change the economic problems and the racial problems and the injustice. And he knows it's a messed up world and he's expecting the Christians to be fertilizer, transform the world. But what Paul's point is, if you want to change the world, you've got to be in tune with heaven. Because it's only the people who are deeply connected with Jesus who can hear his heart understand and discern his ways and obey him and be empowered in that obedience to change things he doesn't want a bunch of spiritual people in libraries that's not what paul's asking for he just said if you really want to change the world you really care about social justice you really care about the 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 terrible things the poverty if you really care he says focus on jesus because if you can get in tune with jesus jesus will reveal to you his methods his patterns and his power to enable you to make the difference that God's called you to do. Jesus is seated unified in purpose, presence, and power with the Father. And if we'll focus on Jesus, all of our life will begin to shift and change. That's what Paul's saying. Now, the next thing he says is, set your mind. It's not just your affections or your heart. He says, set your minds. Well, what is our minds normally set on? Well, I was looking back in this last, uh, you know, six months. Think, well, for a while there, my mind was set on the, 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 the lottery. When it gets above 500 million, I start thinking about the lottery. I, I tell the Lord, if I'm going to win the lottery, I don't want to the, the win a small one. So if it gets about 500 million or more, I start thinking, okay. So I think, what are the dumb, foolish things we've been thinking about? Some of us, we've been beating ourselves up because of our sin and our past. You know, whatever you think about and focus on, it will grow. See, that's the problem with shame. If you focus on your mistakes instead of focus on the cross and Jesus, you will actually become more sinful. The people that hate sin the most and they focus all about sin, those are the people who end up being controlled more and more by sin. If you want to be free of sin, you think of the cross The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and his life. You do not change bad fruit in your life by being a fruit inspector. You deal with the roots. You keep bringing the roots to Jesus. And the more you bring the deep things of your life to the cross and let Jesus touch them and cleanse them and heal them and transform them, the fruit will change. But no fruit is changed by looking at fruit. Fruit changes by changing the soil connected to the roots. So set your mind on things above. How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to have to read God's Word. We're going to have to be people who worship. You say, I don't know how to worship. Find some kind of praise music you like. Right? you got to have to read God's Word because when we pray, we talk to God, but when we read God's Word, Andrew Murray says God talks to us. We've got to be people that are hearing God's voice. We've got to be people who are connected with Jesus so we can interpret our circumstances. Uh, we got to be able to interpret the, the scriptures. we got to be to interpret what other Christians say. we got to be able to hear God's voice and obey it. If, if we're not able to hear God's voice, we can't make any real progress. We'll never be dangerous in the kingdom of God until we can hear God's voice. And until Jesus is the controlling influence of our lives, we will not be able to begin to really hear his voice in a consistent fashion. So Paul says there's the two secrets. The one is to set your heart on Jesus. Make sure he is the controlling passion of your life. Now, when that's not the case, you say, Lord Jesus, help me. Because there's a whole lot of other things. I've had to pray many times through the years. This year, this Lent, Lord, other things are showing up that seem to have a bigger place. I know where you're supposed to be, but when Jesus is not where he's supposed to be, I repent and I ask Jesus to help me. And he's so kind. And he's so good, he does. We don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed when we get it wrong we just have to run quickly to Jesus in our repentance and then we need to make sure that when we repent we spend as much time receiving and thanking God for forgiveness as we have spent in grieving and asking for the forgiveness itself you know today we produce a lot of Bible believing Christians these days who repent and repent and repent but they show their unbelief because they never stop and receive it Jesus died on the cross he really forgave us He's not looking for us to grovel. He's just looking at us to come as sons and daughters, bringing him openly our sins, confessing it, and he forgives us and cleanses us from that unrighteousness. So we got to set our affection. And let our passion, the controlling influence of life, be Jesus. And then we have to make the deliberate choice to take our mind off some earthly things. Some of those earthly things are bad. In Philippians, it's very interesting. Paul said that the sins of the people in Philippians, of the professed Christians, he said they love sensuality and gourmet food. I'm thinking, well, I'm not a foodie. I'm too old to be a millennial. I mean, I'm like three generations i think older than millennial but but i mean they're known to be all these foodies and i like all the good food you wouldn't know that looking at me but yes (laughs) it's been a small weakness through the years do you realize that that he says to them that their love of erotica and sensual material and their love of food revealed though they profess christ that their true god was their bellies was the earthly things He's not picking on people overweight. That's not. His, his point is that they, that they were loving the things of the earth. He says, set your heart on things above and then make the deliberate decision to set your minds on the things above as well, not on earthly things. Now, he tells us there's a logic. He tells us there's something about our past and something about our future that will help us to understand and to do this effectively effectively. Two last things Paul says. The first thing he says, for you're dead. At five years of age, I had no idea the full implications of what it meant when I went down front and gave my life to Jesus Christ. I had, there's no way I could have understood. But when I made that decision, I died to my will, my rights, and my control. Now, I have not lived faithfully in that decision. I've been really selfish. I mean, it's amazing when I think about myself and so many things where I want to be such a better person, such a better husband, such a better dad, even a better neighbor. I'm challenged at times to be a better neighbor. He says, all of us who know Jesus as Savior and Lord, we died, and we can no longer think of ourselves apart from us and Jesus. The only way we can ever see ourselves and our identity is us and Jesus. If you think of yourself and your sins and you forget to add Jesus in there, you've got a wrong identity because you died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. What this means is, is that when we accepted Christ... We were clothed with the righteousness of Christ, and Christ is in heaven, and we're clothed. We're like in this bubble of the righteousness of Jesus, and we're connected by faith in this mystical, spiritual relationship, and we're no longer our own. And he says, because you're no longer your own, you don't have the right to not make Jesus the controlling passion of your life. You don't have the right not to discipline yourself and to begin to focus more and more carefully about your mind and what you're putting your mind on. Because Jesus died for you, and he is not only forgiving your sin, he has opened up to you all the possibilities of true peace and true purpose and true living. And therefore, we've got to understand, oh, we died to that old way. In the mornings, this is the prayer Susan and I, a friend of ours taught us this years ago, we try to get up every morning and not just say it, to live is the hard part, but I try to remember to say it. Lord, this morning, I release my will, my rights, and my control to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm yours. I'm yours. That's a start. I release my will, my rights, and my control to the Lord Jesus Christ because I died. I forget that. I got to remember, there's a lot of repenting in the Christian life if we're going to be awake and tell the truth. But what's beautiful is when we turn back to him, he receives us, and we get back at it again and again and again. So there's something about our past. We've died, and there's something so glorious about our future that Paul says, if you just could get a glimpse of it, you'd never stop wanting to pursue Jesus with all that you have. Finally, he says, uh, when Christ, who is your life, because you already made the passionate commitment, your, your, your heart and your mind. He says, when Christ who is your life appears, meaning at the second coming, when Jesus returns, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Can you imagine? Jesus wouldn't dream of coming back without us. All those who love him. And all those who are forgiven by him. There's a day which is coming that will make such sense of all the misery and the pain and the heartache and the difficulty and the struggle. Because on that day when Christ, who is our life, when he appears in those clouds, he's going to pause until we catch up. And we're going to appear also with him in glory. We're going to be there as returned, and we're going to be there at the, the judgment. We're going to be there. We're going to be ushering him in and heading back out with him. We get to be part of the victory parade. Jesus esteems us and honors us because he calls us his sons And daughters he has cleansed us by his own blood and we will join him on that day at the end not as people worried about the judgment we'll know there's many things we did wrong but we will not be in fear of the judgment why because we have been hidden with Christ in God we have been surrounded all this time by the righteousness of Jesus we have repented of our sins on that day it will be celebration and it will be great joy it'll be well done thy good and faithful servant. Paul says, we've got to fix. If you want to be like Jesus and make any progress, we need to understand the reality of resurrection living. There is potential in us. It's hidden from the world, but it's not hidden from God. Jesus is inside of us. And by his spirit, there's power and resources to change. And when we tune into Jesus by making him the passion of our lives, We will begin to experience that potential. What's been sown into us by the presence of Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, will begin to control and transform us. But then we set our minds. We're careful what we're thinking about. We're starting to focus. We're, we're, We're listening to the command of setting our hearts, setting our minds. And then he reminds us, why? Because we don't have any rights to do any other thing. And then he says, and the future's so bright, I have to wear shades. No, he says... That's Huey Lewis. That's not the New Testament. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, says, he says, not just that you, you're no longer alive for yourself. He says, the future's so glorious. Christ, who our, is our life, is coming back. And because he's coming back and we get to be with him, what greater motivation to pursue him with all of our hearts and all of our minds and then all of our lives. Listen, it's Easter. Jesus has risen for us in our place and we're going to join them now this morning we're going to renew our baptismal vows one of the great things that happens in the historic church uh historic churches the 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 catholics and the anglicans and the lutherans and and the orthodox is that on this day there's a renewal of baptismal vows you see in our baptism when i was baptized they just said do you believe in jesus is your savior and lord and has forgiven your sins and and you've turned to christ and you've accepted and i said yes I didn't know that every baptism is a practical exorcism, because in baptism we die to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we then promise to live for the one who lived for us and died for us. So, we, we're going to say this morning, we're going to say the, the, the renunciations this morning, that they were implied if not spoken Some of us were baptized as infants and sponsors and parents said them and we didn't say them, but we're going to say them again because something glorious is going to happen this morning. This morning, as we renew our baptismal vows and we think of the glories of the one who died on the cross and rose again, Jesus is going to push the reset button and cleanse us this morning and minister to us this morning in a most powerful and profound way. It happened at the eight. And it's getting ready to happen now. So, if you would shift to the prayer that was put up when the last night. We, this is the, from the Easter vigil. This is the prayer right before we move into the oil of chrism and different things. But, but I want you to see this prayer. Because this is part of what leads up to the, the uh, renewal of baptismal vows. And I want you to, this touched me so powerfully last night. This was the prayer that I prayed for the people May every stain of our iniquity, it means the part of us that's twisted and wants to do what's wrong. May every stain of our iniquity here be cleansed. May our nature be restored to its perfect fashioning. We knew that for a moment when we got saved. And then in time, we've drifted away from it at some level. May our nature be restored to its perfect fashioning and be conformed again to thine own image of righteousness. Jesus May it be redeemed from the old sins of its conversation, the way we've lived our lives. We've let certain things creep in and certain things got a stronghold and and we've kind of drifted off in certain areas, even if we've done a good job in others. May it be redeemed from the old sins of its conversation, that every person being born again by the sacrament he hath here received may be restored verily into the innocence of thy children. Can you imagine? that this morning, by the power of the blood of Jesus and the power of his resurrection, he could touch us and push the reset button this morning and bring us back to the innocency of when we first believed. That's the kind of God we serve. And it's not just on Easter, but on Easter, because of the day of resurrection, we think of it especially. But we really can find this kind of grace every time we turn to Jesus with heart of repentance and true faith. So, let's go to the, if you would stand. Now listen, if you're not a Christian, you don't want to, if you're a Christian, you don't want to stand like, hey, someone dragged me here, I don't want to stand. Don't stand, don't worry about it. You're not going to offend us. But if you want to say and do your baptismal vows, we stand as we make our vows. Now, as a bonus... I'm going to take the holy water that we bless from the font, and I've got a special tool that it'll douse you with water in just a minute. This is kind of the priest revenge, you don't know. No. Now, once we say these renewal, I'm going to come to the congregation. It's only just like a little spring. It's not you're not going to get soaked. Just David, a couple people right in the right, a couple people. Other than that, you're going to be fine. All right. So, listen, I'm telling you as God touches us in the sacrament of this water that we've set apart for God's use and purposes. The Holy Spirit is here to touch us and restore our hearts, to soften some hard things, to cleanse some habitual sins, and to give us some victory in some areas of which we've been struggling. And you're going to feel the Holy Spirit start to move in this whole church in just a minute. Now, once, after we've renewed our vows, and once you've been uh, touched with the water... Take your seats so we can see anyone who's still standing will know is still wanting to get the holy water sprinkled on them in just a second, okay? That's kind of how I'll know. All right, now let's say these uh, renewal of, of baptismal vows together. Click. All right, here we go. All right. Dost thou re... I'm going to say the... You'll do the part in italics. Dost thou reaffirm your renunciation of evil and renew thy commitment to Jesus Christ? I do. Dost thou believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father. Dost thou believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried, He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge both quick and the dead. Dost thou believe in God the Holy Ghost? I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Wilt thou continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers? I will, by God's help. Wilt thou persevere in resisting evil? And whenever thou dost fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. I will, by God's help. Wilt thou proclaim, by word and example, the good news of God in Christ? I will, by God's help. Wilt thou seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving thy neighbor as yourself? I will, by God's help, wilt thou strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every person. I will, by God's help, may Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us a new birth by water and the Holy Spirit and bestowed upon us the forgiveness of sins, keep us in eternal life by His grace in Christ Jesus our Lord Amen. Now, if you don't want to be sprinkled, some people will melt. If you are like that, you can sit down and hide too. I'm not reaching anybody apparently. I thought I was better at this. Let's see if we can do Can you imagine Jesus, by his grace, would restore us? I'm coming around, don't worry. Sorry. You're a little close up. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, I gotta... Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you, Lord. Oh, Lord. Touch us, Lord. Touch us, cleanse us, Lord. Our hearts have been so hard. Lord, we're in such need. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need your grace. We need your resurrection life, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you. Sorry. (laughs) How do I miss you guys? You guys get Pepe better than that. Bless you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love your people, Lord. We love your people, Lord. We love you, Lord. I missed another one. Oh, sorry, sweetheart. We got you now? Yeah. All right. Oh, we love you, Lord. Oh. Lord, we need some breakthroughs with some sins and some issues. Some marriages need your healing and your touch, Lord. Lord, there's some needs, Lord. There's some favor we need, Lord. I'm sorry, Annie. <laughs> We don't. She's touching electrical things, so we try to be careful. (laughs) That wouldn't be very nice to her. You guys, you guys, uh, they're trying to hog all the water over here. Oh Lord Jesus, we love you. Oh Lord Jesus, would you cleanse us, Lord? Don needs a lot. Some, Some of you know him. Lord Jesus would you come oh we set apart this water Lord just something on the outside to show us the grace that you promise on the inside Lord we set it apart in the name of Jesus it's not ordinary water once we set it apart in Jesus name and Lord we're not ordinary people because you died for us and you love us we thank you Lord that you love us so much that you restore us who have been drifted a far way away and yet Lord like the prodigal as soon as we turn our hearts back to you you run to us Lord and you meet us oh Lord we're so grateful now Lord we pray as we come together as the family of God and take communion together. Lord, that you'd open up the heavens and come down by your spirit, Lord. And let us ascend and be strengthened by the body and blood of Jesus, Lord. We come by faith because there's no other way to come. And we thank you for your grace. Meet us in our worship, Lord. Enable us by your spirit. We ask these things because you're so wonderful. And we pray in the name of Jesus and in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven.